It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into another edition of the Skinny Podcast. It's the Potpourri edition with my man Rick Roaring. I'm Richard Skinner from Local12 and Local12.com. And as always, it's presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. We'll take a look at a lot of topics locally, some national topics, occasionally a ghost story. We're going to get to an epilogue of a ghost story from Paul Daner Jr. on next week's podcast. He'll talk some Bengals, the Zach Taylor hiring, uh, the offseason, but he's got an epilogue to the infamous baby ghost story. I'm looking forward to that that episode. I am too. We've, we've had, we had the Super Bowl. We've got a lot of news again this week, so we've yep. been staying on the straight and narrow the last few podcasts. I'm anxious to get back where we thrive, and that's off the rails. I'm with you as well. All right, <laughs> kick us off, Rick. Skinny, the Bengals introduced Zach Taylor as the 10th head coach in the franchise's history on Tuesday after it felt like we had been talking about him for two and a half months as their head coach yeah. already i'll just make it very basic for you did zach taylor win the press conference um yeah i guess enough i mean he used a lot of buzzwords um a lot of cliche you know, a lot of cliche cliche motivational speaker guy accountability I, I will say this i thought he spoke with conviction i, I really yeah. felt like he wasn't just buzzwording to buzzword i thought he really meant what he was saying um i thought he spoke with some clarity um talking about you know setting high standards that players want high standards uh, accountability is a big word, and I think those are all great things. Um, you know, I, I think it's great to say that on the Tuesday you're hired. I want to see if it's held into practice on September the 30th when Fred has had three straight bad games or has made five straight mental mistakes or something along those lines. Then I'll believe it. And again, I'm not here to tell you he won't do it. I, he's not. Look, he's not the first coach that used those buzzwords. No. In fact, he would have disappointed me if he was wasn't the coach that, that used them because they all do. It is what it is. There it is. There's a, there's a cliche for you. It is what it is. <laughs> I I liked that it wasn't all football guy stuff. Mm-hmm. It was about culture. Mm-hmm. It was about making a great environment. You didn't throw around like the family word or anything like that. It was more about culture. And the one thing that made me wonder if he really did some research into talking to people around the league or maybe in the the Bengals organization about the issues that they've had, it's like everyone's going to talk about setting a high standard. That's clear. You you better, you would hope they do. Yeah, everyone's going to say that. So I didn't think that necessarily did it, but it's also like, I think one of the things you've kind of heard from players around here is that there's not enough accountability Mm -hmm. and not enough standards. So it's like, you start hearing that and you're like, hmm, is he saying this purposely? And then he said, he said multiple times, we're going to communicate clearly. Yes. Communication is a big key. He kept saying stuff about communication. That, to me, sounded like a guy who knew exactly what the issues were in this locker room over the last few years. He also talked about having good people. Just that we're not just going for good football players. They've got to be a fit for us. He sounded almost like a college coach talking about recruiting to yes. his program. instead yes. of just After trying to clean up a program's mess. Right. It, it didn't sound as much like the professional level where it's these guys are pros, they knew, know to do their job. It sounded very much like, no, if guys are a problem, they're not going to be in our locker room. We'll find guys that, that want to buy in and want to do the right thing. At least that's what I took yeah, away no, no, from Yeah, no, no, I think that's probably right. And that seemed, that seemed to be a little bit different from maybe your typical football guy speak, I thought. Yeah, I, and again, that's easy to say. I mean, what happens the first time the 10-year veteran tells you to buzz off because I've done this well, my way and it's been successful for a long time. Hopefully, that's the, hopefully you come in and you... I don't want to say you command you, you demand respect. Maybe you command respect right away. Maybe it, it's a it's an easy buy in. And I remember I did a story on Jake McQuaid, the long snapper from from Elder, who played for the Rams, was in the Super Bowl, and he had a great quote. He said there was a, a coach that coached with Jeff Fisher, Dave McGinnis, who was a former NFL head coach, but McGinnis was an assistant with the Rams. And he said he said players he said players can always tell when you are you are full of BS, because he said they can read that a mile away like a pack of dogs. And he said the one thing about Sean McVay was almost right away, 
He said, it didn't feel like there was any BS with these, this guy. That's why we bought in as quickly as we did. Okay. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's what players will do with Zach Taylor, but time's only going to tell that. Yeah, I will say, I when you said he spoke with conviction, and I agree with that. It didn't seem like all this uh, motivational speaker stuff was right. coming off as phony or fake. He did kind of seem like that Johnny quarterback guy who's like, yep. I like being a leader. Like That did seem to be his persona, so... If you're going to be that type of guy, you're right. It has to be authentic. And I think it seems authentic with him. I think it did too. I think it did too. And you're right. You can say all the right things now. It really means nothing. Everyone says the right things for the most part. Fans eat it up. Right. But that's all we have to judge him off of right now. So that's why we're talking about it. Yes. No, I I think it's a great question because that is always the big thing. Did did so-and-so win the press conference? Because occasionally, guy gets done, you're like, what in the world is this? I mean, you've heard some of these guys speak, and it's almost like, whoa, boy. I don't know how you got through the interview process, but okay, good luck to you. Yeah, and there didn't seem to be anything that really stood out as far as goofy or, oh, that might be a red flag. Or, oh, wow, that sounds really out of the box or extraordinary. It was all... Pretty much what you'd expect. I mean, he said he wants to, he like, the reason he's doing this, he wants the pressure. And, and you know, some guys think they want it until they get it. I, I think he actually genuinely does. He wants the pressure of what the job entails. And um, I'll, I'll give him, I'll give him some, some I'll give him a, a, a passing grade or even a, a high grade for how he handled himself in that press conference. Taylor said he has a high opinion of Andy Dalton, stating that the quarterback is a great fit for what the Bengals are going to do under his direction. He went on to say the Bengals are very fortunate that he's their quarterback and also mentioned that he watched every snap he took at TCU. Do you think Zach Taylor really believes Andy Dalton is the right fit at quarterback for the Bengals, or is this just lip service on the day you're hired? Well, see, if, if, if it's lip service, then already right away, I'm going to go, well, you're full of crap then. You're a BSer. I mean, it, right? I mean, he just spoke with all this conviction. And you're right. He spoke a lot of Andy. It wasn't just, hey, I've watched Andy in the league. I watched him the last few years. I watched him in 2005. I watched him. When, I mean, he could use the excuse of, hey, the only time I've really seen Andy is when we played them and, and, and whatnot. No, he made it a point to talk about going back to when he was at TCU. And if you're wondering why would he fu- He was a graduate assistant at Texas A&M. So they played TCU back then. So he was probably, I'm going to guess, part of his role as a grad assistant was grinding the tape and putting clips together and, and looking at their offense so he could give it to staff members, etc. So I'm sure that he, he is very familiar with Andy Dalton. And for him to go out of his way tells me that I think he does think that Andy can do good things for this team and for this offense. And like I said, if he didn't believe that and that's how you're going to go out of your way to do it, that tells me then you are an absolute BSer. Well, I think he believes it right now because he doesn't have any other options. Let's be realistic about that. The best case scenario right guy now for the Bengals. Guy he used to coach Bengals, is going to be out there, Ryan Tannehill, and I'm not telling you he's the right guy either, but he, he's going to be available, I think. Well, now if you're doing that, and, and that's like what you're about to do, then yes, I think this was a little bit over-the-top praise for Andy Dalton. But in my opinion, the best, best case scenario for the Bengals in terms of even going away from Andy Dalton is drafting a new quarterback. And realistically, are you taking a quarterback at number 11 in this year's draft? No. It's hard to believe that would be the case. And if so, you're not starting a rookie quarterback Correct. that you took in the second or third round no, this at, the, year. at the very worst, Andy is still a at least a year bridge guy, if not a two-year bridge guy. Right. So so really, what are your options if you're the new coach other than to believe in this guy? And so what you do, you start grinding. Well, he's already grinded the tape because he coached against right. him in college. Right. So he already knew about Andy Dalton. But I think you start saying... Okay, what did I like about the guy? What can he do well? He seems like a winner. You start finding the things you like about him because you know you're going to be tied to him for at least a year regardless. So I do think he believes it for right now. I don't know that he believes it long-term well, realistically. maybe not, but I mean, it, it, you're right. I, there's there's no other real option at this point. I mean, if, if there was a quarterback in this draft that maybe he coveted or they thought were going to fall to him, I mean, Dwayne Haskins is going to be off the board, and I wrote a piece where I'm not so sure Dwayne Haskins, I even believe entirely in him. 
Um, but he won't be there in all likelihood. I, the Bengals are not going to trade up to get Dwayne Haskins at this point. It's not worth doing that. You have too many other holes to fill. Um, you know, and, and maybe next year there is a, a new quarterback draft. There is the guy that he can find. So yeah, there there is some truth to that part of it. But I thought he went very much out of his way to praise Andy. He did. I mean, he could have just simply said, "Look, Andy's done a lot of good things in this league, and I'm looking forward to working with him." That would have been a suitable answer. Might not have been as effusive in praise, but that would have been a suitable answer. Right. And that's why the question is in here because he did go so far out of his way. It stood out to me that he commented I, me, so in depth about Andy. They, I don't know if you saw the day before when he was actually hired. Oh the yeah, when they hugged each other in that video. One of the most awkward internet videos of all time. But that being said, bro hug. we've seen Andy Dalton in a huddle with his teammates going out before a game. He's an awkward human. So I place that squarely on, on the guys. shoulders of Andy Let's Dalton. Have fun win. Come on, guys. <laughs> Best one of all time was, was when Russell Bodine was having some snap issues in training camp and poor Russ was just shotgun snapping all over the place. And Andy in this biggest tough guy voice said, Come on, Russ, guy, get it right. I mean, like, seriously, dude. We're going to go out there and have fun, do what we've been training to do. We're going to play hard, all right? Teammates on three, one, two, three, teammates. No, it's one, two, three. <laughs> and the guy in the back doesn't say anything. He's rolling his eyes going, gosh, almighty, he's leading us out there. All right, let's go. <laughs> Skinny, even though he's expected to name Brian Callahan as the offensive coordinator, Taylor said he will be the one calling plays for the Bengals this year. Do you like the fact that the head coach will be calling the plays next year for the Bengals? I think that's what he wants to do, and I, I, I have no, I have no problem either way. I mean, if you are the Marvin Lewis type head coach that that says you're my offensive coordinator, play caller, and you're my defensive coordinator, play caller, I'm, I'm okay with that. I think it is a lot when it comes time to as offensive coordinator and play caller. When the offense comes off the field, yeah, there may be some other staff member that's going to help them go through what they just wanted in the last series, but there's going to be times when you're going to have to go over there, like Marvin Lewis did this past year. That's why he brought Hugh Jackson on, right? To, right? to be an extra set of eyes when he can't be there. You have to really trust that that defensive coordinator is running the show at that point. You have to put full trust in, into that guy. And I think that's the, that's what's going to be the, the real important hire here is is who you hire and what kind of presence, what kind of experience that, that person brings. But no, I, I have honestly, I have no problem with him calling plays. If, that's, if that was what he wants to do as a head coach and it would be one thing if you go oh he's you know, this guy's doing something Nah, there's a bunch of Andy Reid does it I mean McVeigh does it uh, Doug Peterson does. I mean there's a lot of them now that do it I think that's kind of the new wave of, of doing it I got no problem with that I mean if he wants to go down with the ship I, I, if, if it was me I'd like to call my own place too if I, I, I want to trust myself that's I think I'm an offensive mind better than you're an offensive mind um, and I think I can call a game better than you can call a game and I'm the head coach so I'm going to take the responsibility for that go for it that's the whole thing about it. I have no issue with coaches, like you say, who want to be the facilitator and just say, I'm I'm in charge, I'm running this orchestra, you're my lead guy on offense, you're my lead guy on defense, you guys call your own plays, all that stuff. That's fine. I think that can absolutely work. Sure. It's worked for decades. Worked. I don't see any issue with it. But I do think, especially when you're making a hire like this, where you're clearly trying to go out and get a young, genius offensive mind, a guy that had... The reason you're bringing a guy like Zach Taylor in is because he's supposed to be of that Sean McVay ilk, the young, creative, outside-the-box thinker on the offensive side of the football. Who that, gets in the rhythm of calling the game, too. Right, and if you're doing that, then you're bringing that guy in to call his own plays, in my opinion. But even if you don't, I worry down the road. If he's not the one calling the plays and he's supposed to be this offensive mind, does it create friction down the road when you're trying to make those tough third down calls or that go go for it or punt it on fourth down or what are your philosophies on all these things if you say from the get-go it's my way or the highway I'm calling the plays you get in here to help me with this and 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 see what's going on when I can't be watching all the film and stuff from up above in the box 
you handle that part of it, but we're doing it my way. But I think that clears up any confusion going in. Yes, and I, I think that that's why you bring in somebody that you're familiar with. He's very familiar with Brian Callahan, right? right. I mean, they're, they're kind of boys. So you're, you're at this point when you say that ahead of time, you're bringing in someone that knows they're assisting you, as opposed to yes. I'm handing over nope. the keys to you and going to have to take them back at some point. And we talked a little bit about this last week um, uh, about Zach Taylor and what he might have from a coaching staff perspective. I told you, man, when, the day I become a head coach in high school, I got three guys who I know are going to be my. I want to be my because I trust them. I trust that they. They don't. They, they have my back as opposed to trying to stab me in the back. I I, I trust their decision making. I trust that they're going to give me input. And occasionally, I'm going to say no. I'm going to do it my way. Or occasionally, I'm going to go. Hey, that's a good idea. That that to me is that that's what you're going to surround yourself with. So I give him. I give him that. I think with Brian Callahan, then he knows coming in. Look, you're exactly right. I'm the eye in the sky. I'm going to say, hey, on, on certain coverages they're doing this, or they're running a the front this way. Maybe this will work. And occasionally, the head coach will go, you know what? I got a couple plays for that. Good point. Or no, I'm seeing something different. No, that's fine as long as the guy you're bringing in knows it. And usually, if it's a guy who you're familiar with personally, um, and again, who knows? These guys could have been talking about doing this. Ten years ago, of, right. hey man, if you're a head coach, I want I'll do this for you. And if I'm a head coach, you, you do that for me. Yeah, I, I I think it's all well and good. I got no problem with it. But I think you're right. At the end of the day, if you're the head coach and it's your job on the line, you want to feel like you're in control. Yes. And if you've given that guy the control already and you have to take it back, it's a demotion. Well, and you're I, taking away some of his yes, job. Yes, correct. If you go into it this way, they know it doesn't feel that way. And I think you saw that's what Marvin Lewis at the very end when he took over the defensive coordinator reigns. I think it was two things. I think he either realized you know what, I really enjoy doing that, and I'm going out swinging doing this. Or he's, that was his last stance of, all right, I'm, I'm going out doing it my way, and if, if it doesn't work, okay, at least I took a swing calling that side of the ball the way I've called that side of the ball. Right, but if you do that, you almost have to break off the relationship with the other coordinator. And, yes. And so like, yes. I, that's why I think this, I like them going about it this way because you never come to that point regardless of, of what happens in terms of, of making those decisions. Let's fr- flip from the offensive to yep. the defensive side of the ball. It's come out over the last few days that Jack Del Rio and Taylor spoke about the defensive coordinator position, but decided it wasn't the right fit. If you remember a couple podcasts ago, we had discussed the possibility of a guy like Del Rio becoming the coordinator. Taylor made it sound like the job was wide open during his press conference. He said he isn't looking for a coach that plays a specific scheme, and he doesn't think the coordinator necessarily has to be an experienced coach with lots of ex- <laughs> He doesn't think the coordinator necessarily has to be an experienced coach, That's well which said. is what many have assumed. Right. What do you make of Zach Taylor's comments about the defense? Well, I think it seemed like he wanted Jack Del Rio, and for whatever reason, the two never kind of hooked this up in the end. That was that was a little bit interesting. Me, I don't know if he, I, I don't know, I don't know what 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 transpired. There. See, I, I came away with it with the opposite, and it was exactly what we were talking about, where we were saying the old coach, the experienced coach, is a great thing for a young guy like him. If he's fully bought in, and that's what I I'm took wondering this of, to of mean, Jack Del Rio wants to be a head coach again, and. That's the kind of guy that can occasionally. I mean, you want guys that are hungry to be head coaches, right? right? But at the same time, there's a there's a fine line of that. Or or whether he wanted to be a head coach again or not. But my, what the takeaway I had, and obviously this is speculation, of course, too. But I kind of wondered. It sounds to me like they talked about philosophy, and Zach may have heard that Jack Del Rio didn't want to be quite as adaptive to what he wanted to do right. going into the future of football as 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 he wanted. And that's fine. Yeah, and that's I think part that's of the exactly process. the decision you needed to make. Yeah, that's a part of the interview process. The one thing I would say is, and, and I like the fact that he's open to any scheme, any any experience. Well, I shouldn't say any experience. I think you need an experienced defensive coordinator. I, I do because you you have a lot of you have a lot of inexperienced guys that are going to be on this staff. Um, I think you need somebody that's that's honestly maybe been a head coach that you can go lean on in, in moments of, hey man, I haven't gone through this. You have. Can you help me through this? I, I do think you need that. But it also has to be a really nice marriage of look, I am still the head coach. I'm trusting you with the. 
defense, but I also don't need you going into meetings telling people, hey, this guy's in over his head, or hey, you need to do more stuff my way as opposed to his way. I don't. I, you got to make sure where that relationship stands. The only thing is they've drafted so much for 4-3 defenses over the last how many ever years that I think it'd be hard to go away from that. And I think it'd also be hard because you don't have even maybe, you have one maybe quality linebacker as we sit here today. I think if you're going away scheme-wise to suddenly go in 3-4, I think you're you're in for a a bit of a rebuilding process on that side of the ball. And are you do, do you have the time for that type of rebuilding process? So I don't think you need to be pigeonholed per se. I get that part of it. But I think you've kind of become a 4-3 scheme by default because of what you've drafted um, the fact you've invested money into Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap, and you drafted a Sam Hubbard. I mean, you've drafted you've drafted guys to fill that defensive front. Now you really need to draft a couple linebackers or go to free agency for that and go back to doing four three stuff. I again, I, I appreciate you're not pigeonholing yourself, but I think it's it's almost naive to think they're going to completely scrap four three and go three four and change into some kind of crazy wild blitzing three four defensive team. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I think they'll end up being a four three. I I I really like the fact that. Him and Jack Del Rio talked, and who knows what happened here. I mean, right, Jack Del Rio but, may have just said, but if it's hey, not I'm the right fit interested. either way. I'm just really, I'm really happy about the fact that we saw him go into a meeting like this, and it didn't work out for whatever reason, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And who knows how that all transpired. But if it is the, the the fact that he just said, you know what, this guy doesn't sound like he's fully on board or fully bought into what my scheme's going to be, I just don't think you can have any. Again, it comes back to that communication. Sure, I don't think you can have any dissent among the ranks in. Uh, I don't really know if what we're doing is the right thing. I think everyone has to be fully bought in. And that's not to say you you need yes-men around you. You don't. No, 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 you right. need guys that will challenge you. Correct. But they need to be bought into the scheme that everyone's teaching. And again, there's that fine line of, yes, you need somebody in a meeting to say, no, nah, that's I don't think that's the right thing to do. And you, again, as the head coach, go, okay, but it's my decision to make. Um but you also don't need that guy going into his defensive meeting room and go, hey, that guy down the hall is a clown, man. Let's just do our thing to hell with what they're doing. And I'm not telling you that Jack Del Rio was going to do that, but I'm going to guess there were a specific set of questions that, that he went over with him or talked with him about and maybe didn't get the feel and the vibe, and maybe it was vice versa as well. And that's fine. If that's not the right fit, move on to the next. You've, you're around Paul Brown Stadium a lot, and you've got some inside sources there. Have you heard any other names, or are there any other n- names that have been brought up that interest I mean, you? Dom Caper's name was brought up, and it's interesting because he was a successful coordinator. He has head coaching experience. Um, you know, he I think he's been primarily a 3-4 guy for most of his career. I'd have to look back at where his last stop was to see – if if they were full, I think I I think he's been a three four guy. So that's where maybe maybe that's why he's talking about. Well, I'm not going to pigeonhole us into a scheme because if I'm talking to is, Dom Capers yeah, right this now. Is my, yeah. This is my this is my new guy. No, I, I it seemed like that they were they were at least very interested in Del Rio for quite a quite a long time when Zach Taylor's name surfaced and um, the fact that he really didn't even formally interview for the job tells me that okay now you're on to to, to what Plan B was and and Plan B could be a lot of different guys. Mike Brown was the one to introduce Taylor at the press conference. He didn't say much, but was asked about the decision to move on from Marvin Lewis. He essentially said that Marvin Lewis was his friend. He didn't want to disparage him in any way, but that the fan base made the decision for the Bengals in terms of parting ways with Lewis. What were your thoughts on Mike Brown's comments, if any? I thought they were eye-opening because he doesn't say those kind of things very often. I mean, he doesn't even recognize a lot of times the fan base, either good or bad. Fan base wants Ring of Honor. Eh, I'm not going to do it. I mean, there, there, there are things that, that, that he did. And the funny part was Paul Daner Jr., our buddy, asked the question. And, and um, 
I told Paul afterwards, I said, I know you were just looking for a simple answer. I said, I thought it was a very softballs question, but it felt like Mike felt like he even backed himself into a corner a little bit to me. It and, very and, much felt that you way. You know, and, and I thought it was a very honest answer. I thought it was a great answer. I mean, I thought it was an Iowa. I, you know, after the thing, I did a column on, on Zach Taylor and, and whatnot, but I also did a kind of five things we learned. And my number one thing was Mike's comments about Marvin Lewis, because I thought they were, and, and about why he made that decision that, um, you know, the fans finally spoke loud and clear that we need a change. <laughs> I did think it was funny when he said, I thought we'd given Marvin the appropriate amount of time to get this turned around. Well, you gave him you, 16 you years, my man. I think that's an understatement. A, that's a that's a long time. And I think the fact that I'll give Mike credit that he could have said, look, things didn't work out with Marvin. And in the last three years, we went downhill and he chose. I don't want to say anything disparaging. He's my friend. But at the same time, hey, fans, I got it. You spoke loud and clear. And I, for him to even acknowledge that, I think was a Big, big thing. Well, I was shocked by the fact that he acknowledged the fans because he's never done right. that that I can tell. It's also made me feel a lot like had the fans not stopped showing up to the point that it got embarrassing right. and more importantly costly for the Brown family, this would have never happened. Maybe he would not. have stayed right with You him. might be right. It also got weird to me that, like you said, it felt like he took the question, knew he didn't have to answer it. But um, it, to me, it almost felt like he wanted to make it clear because the question was asked in the in the I don't even remember exactly how it was phrased. But Paul basically said something along the lines of "You mutually parted ways." It was you both came to how decision. Did you co- yeah, how did you come to the decision? Right, but he but he said they both came to decision. Right. It wasn't like the Bengals. He didn't right. say it in the Bengals let go of him or, or parted right. ways with him. And Mike almost seemed to want to take the opportunity to make it clear that we did part ways with him. He didn't say that it was a mutual thing. Right. He was like. I, I don't want to say anything disparaging because he's my friend, but we decided it was time. Yeah, we gave Which him was, long enough. We gave him an appropriate amount of time to get this turnaround. Yeah, it sounded very much like we did fire Marvin, yeah. and it yeah. wasn't a mutual thing like had been reported this whole time. So yeah, that was interesting that, to me. It, it, it wouldn't be the first time Marvin in a press conference said the, said the wrong thing or flat out lied. No question. And, I, and I'm not – I totally understand that. And I believe that Marvin was lying or that he probably got right. fired. It's just interesting to me that Mike was willing to go up and say, I'm not going to say anything disparaging because he's my friend. But to be clear, we did fire him, essentially. <laughs> yeah. I, that's my takeaway from it. We gave him the appropriate amount of time. I will say the most impressive thing Mike Brown did in that press conference, the most impressive thing. Didn't ask for fudge cake? Uh, no, he did not ask for fudge cake. That would have been impressive, though. <laughs> no, that that he knew the four children's name of Zach Taylor off the top of his head. I kept looking to see if he had notes. I don't believe he did. He didn't. I thought, he almost forgot one. Yes. I, I'm not sure I could have done that. I'm zero gonna, chance. I, I'm giving him a thumbs up for that one, man. I'm a terrible name. I am too. There's I'm awful at it. zero chance. I got a lot of friends like or people I, I see that I know who they are. There are a lot of chiefs out there, Chief. There yeah. are a lot of them. Oh, if you asked, What's going on, bub? If you asked me to name like close hey, family friends, like all of their kids. Couldn't do it. Off the top of my head, even though I've known him for like decades, off the top of my head in front of a press conference like that, it would be difficult. Right. No, I get it a lot. Hey, Skinny. Hey, man. Don't, I, I wish I could remember. I don't. Chief, I'm sorry. Yeah. Chief, what's up? Yeah. Nope. Nah, I have no Go idea. On, Chief. Chief, Chief, Man, and Bub, those are three really doable doable names. And they feel like you connected with them. You're like, all right, man, good to see you again. Hey, good to see you, Chief, Bub, Man, all of you. You're all, all three. Plus, you and Gamble can call anyone Chief, and they like hope it happens. Yeah, like, correct. They, correct. You want you correct. to call Chief. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> all right, Skinny, let's take a look at our lines. Uh, only college basketball going on really right now, and it starts Saturday 1 p.m., you got UK at Mississippi State. The Wildcats are favored by two. The total in that game is 142. This UK team is just on a freaking roll right now. They really are. It's be, even though this will be a tough game, because you can imagine what the, what the crowd in Starkville is going to be like, a oh, chance yeah. for State, which is an NCAA tournament team as we speak today to inch its way up the, the seed line a little bit with a win like this to get a scalp like this. But right now, I'm not sure... 
I'm not sure other than, than, than Duke and Tennessee on the road, I can't pick this Kentucky team to win the way they're playing. I mean, they're, they're taking the teams they should beat and just destroying them. And they're taking the teams that, that, that are 50-50 games and beating them, in some cases soundly. Um, I'm, I'm going Kentucky, and I'm going go, to go under because they're starting to defend a little bit. And State, State's not a great offensive team. I'll go Kentucky 70-62. I, I like that. I think Kentucky definitely wins and covers. The total is only 142, though. That feels a little low to me. I get what you're saying. Kentucky's defense has been great. I'm going to go 77-68. I think okay. it goes over, um, but I do think UK covers. Then Saturday at 7 p.m., Oakland at NKU. The Norse are favored by 11. 153 is the total in that game. Now, what's wrong with the Norse right now? I'm, you. A, I'm asking you. You. Oh, so it's me. You. It's Ever me since my you big started mouth. your nonsense, and then you got me coming on here and talking about how Drew McDonald should be player right. of the year and he, in the entire country. You did that he on has your his own. Worst you did that game on your own. Maybe his worst game of his career, but definitely his worst game this season right after I start that whole campaign. And even Mo Egra asked me about it on radio. And at that point, I got nervous. I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, this isn't now good. Now it's going really viral yeah, at this point. That's not good. I knew as soon as Mo asked me it was going to be bad, Drew had, I mean, again, not a bad game by most people's standards, like 14 and or something yeah which is a very nice number not a good game for him and they lose and then they turn around the next night or two nights later and lose to IUPUI right not good what's what's going on I'm asking you what's going on well two different things uh the first game they they couldn't defend um and then against IUPUI they couldn't score that's a problem and uh, here's the thing about this team and it's something I love about this team but it's also frustrating they are very casual and very confident they don't have that sense of urgency at times where it's like, hey, we need to dig in. This is going to be a tough game. And like I thought they had been kind of getting away from that. They'd had some mature wins where they showed up ready to play on the road or you know, Jalen Tate wasn't there and they stumbled for a little bit, but then they kind of locked in and really got things done earlier in the season. Then you have these two games where it's like they just come out, kind of lackadaisical on the road. The crowd's not into it. It's kind of a boring game and they're just slugging through it. And at no point, did, it's not like they didn't fight. They fought back in the second half and made it a game, obviously. But they need that sense of urgency at times, I think. And it's part of their nature. They're confident and allows them to fight back, allows right. them to go on big runs, allows them to play with talented teams. But it also, you see this at times. And uh, it doesn't really concern me for tournament time because I think when the big lights are on, they show up ready to go. Right. But it, it kind of stinks right now. And now you're in this position where you're going to be going to the right state next weekend Probably needing a win to hold on to first place. And that's going to be a big thing to hold on to first place. Um, I'll go NKU 88-80. Oakland's got enough firepower. Um, Obviously, there's some revenge here for NKU in mind. Norris do bounce back at home to get the win, but that 11-point number, if it stands up, it's the Ken Palm number. If that stands up as the line, i got to take Oakland plus the points. 88-82 NKU. Wow, so you're going way Way over. over. Way over. Yep. Um, but you've got NKU winning, not covering. I'm going to go under. I'm going to say 78-72. I, I, I kind of agree. I think NKU wins but doesn't cover. Uh, don't forget, NKU lost to this Oakland right. team earlier this year. There's a revenge Oakland. on their mind. Well, there's revenge. There's also the fact that they've lost a few in a row, so you'd think they'd be playing well. But there's also the fact that they don't match up all that well with this Oakland yeah. team, maybe. And Xavier Hills-Mays gave them a lot of problems last time, so I'm interested to see how they defend him this time around. It's going to be a difficult game for them, I think, but I do think they will pull it out. Then Saturday, right after that Oakland at NKU game, we have DePaul at Xavier. The Musketeers are actually favored by four. This wow. is the last game all season that they are favored in by Ken Palm, as things currently I can, I can stand. believe it. 
146 is the total in that game. What do you think? The the, the Musketeers break out of this five-game losing streak or what? I, I want to say yes because you see glimpses, right? You see five-minute stretches. But, boy, they were so bad defensively against Creighton. My goodness gracious. I got to think at home, you get this win because it's at home. You know that that this is a chance to snap that losing streak, but I I think it's a dogfight. I'll I'll go 73-71, Xavier. I think it's definitely going to be a dogfight. You're right about the same spot where I am. I'm going to say 76-71, Xavier. They win by five. Oh, she got them covering two. Yeah, over by one, and and they cover, I think. Um, And this is strictly because... They're in the midst of a five-game losing streak, and I'm choosing to say they don't completely melt down and fall apart Quentin, and lose Quentin themselves. Quentin Gooden's had some good moments of late, which Quentin is Gooden good. played. He was their best player against Creighton, uh, on, against Creighton yep. on Sunday. So I think that's a great sign. You get Paul Scruggs and Najee Marshall to come back a little bit. They, neither one of them played well at Creighton. If those three guys all play well at you, home, at home, you beat mm-hmm. DePaul. That's fair. You get a shot or two to go down. So I'm going to say they pull this one out, and I do think they cover because the spread isn't the big that big at this point. Uh, but it, it's going to be interesting. If they don't win that one, It'll be really interesting to see how the rest of the season looks for these guys. Agreed. Sunday at 4 p.m., probably the game of the week. You've got Cincinnati at Houston. The Bearcats are five-point underdogs in that one. The total is 127. Skinny, what do you think? Uh, that, that's a big number. Houston's good. I think if I looked at the last bracket matrix, and maybe I'm doing this wrong, weren't they like a three-seed in I bracket I think they matrix? are a three-seed. Yeah. What are they, ranked 12th in the country or something like yeah, that? Yeah, they're fifth in RPI. I didn't see where they were in net. Um, I'm guessing probably at least top 15 in net, right? We're doing great research so, right here before the podcast. Well, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I was doing Houston off the top of my head. I I, I want to say bracket matrix, they were a three-seed. I looked at it this morning, but I can't remember if it was a two- or three-seed. Um, I... I I'm going to go Houston with the win because they're at home and they're a really good team, but I think UC hangs around with them. I'll, I'll go I'll go 63-60 Houston. Yeah, Ken Palm has Houston at 19, Cincinnati okay. at 29, yeah. so it should be an interesting game. Um, you, what was your score there you had? 63-60 Houston. 63-60, so you are going UC under, covers, and, yeah. and you're taking the under. Correct. I've got it 67-64 Houston, so I'm going over. And obviously, uh, Houston will not cover there. I have UC covering, but they lose the game. Okay, there we go. So, hey, by the way, obviously one of the great scores of the week was was NC State and, and Virginia Tech, right? I mean, just unbelievable. 47-24. Here's the, here's the great part about NC State's week. I want you to think about this. They lost a game in which they scored 96 points because NC North Carolina beat them 110-96. And they lost a game where they held an opponent to 47 points. That's when you know things are not going well in your season. I, I mean, I think that's the definition of letting your opponent dictate the pace you of the game. You think? How about 24 points in this era? That's just absurd. How is 40 that possible? minutes of college basketball with a shot clock. We've we've with, made fun of UC for scoring 24 and a half. Yes, in a game. And look, I know there can be aberrations. But at, the, at some point, you just say, I don't care what you do. Put your head down. Get to the rim. I don't care if you charge 15 times. But what, you can't keep shooting any kind of shot other than a dunk, other than a layup, other than a free throw. My goodness well, that gracious. Might only end up with 24 points. Well, that maybe, might have been their strategy. Maybe, maybe. But my God. Again, how do you – you scored 96 and lost by – not just lost. You lost by double digits. And you gave up 47 and lost by 23. I mean, that's uh, – honestly – And they were an NCAA-level tournament team at one point. Yes, they fell off the face of the earth. Yes. There's been a couple teams – it's been like that a little bit this year where there were some teams early in the non-conference that looked great and then just fell off quickly. Bigly, big time, yeah. no question. And part of it's because some of these conferences are pretty deep too. You've got the ACC, the Big Ten, and the SEC are all pretty darn deep, even if you don't love them at the top. Well, when Illinois can beat Michigan State at home, then a lot of things are possible, right? Yep, this is true. 
All right, Skinny, wrapped up the uh, trip around college basketball with our lines. Time to move on some some national sports talk. And we got to talk Super Bowl, obviously. The Patriots beat the Rams 13-3 in Sunday night's Super Bowl. What was the best part, in your opinion? The game, the halftime show, or the commercials? Gladys Knight's national anthem rendition. And I'm usually a very traditional national anthem guy, and she went off script a little bit. It was good because she timed it and nailed it just as the flyover took place. Got it. I get goosebumps under that. Too. I love that. Got well. There's some debate on that. I think. I think the under paid off in Vegas because they counted the first of the when she said in the home of the brave and she did it twice. They they counted her first brave and that's why it went under. Oh well, there you go. I'd only that? heard that it went under. How about so, that? Yeah. And I did like commercial wise. I, I thought the T-Mobiles were pretty good with the different text messages because those are all text messages we've all sent to people at times. I thought they were really, really clever. I thought that. I thought that was. Pretty... Oh, the game itself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the text messages were pretty good, and it was great because you actually knew who commercial it was. Yes, yes, which and is that, pretty rare. That is pretty rare for sure. And I like the fact that Bill Belichick just took the young whippersnapper. To, to school. He schooled him. And I, Mia Culpa, I was wrong. I was wrong all year about New England. I'll pick against them next year. I'll probably be wrong again. That was a coaching clinic, man. That's just ridiculous. It is. It really I mean, is. To shut that offense down just entirely. Not because they turned it over five times, right? Not because of fluke. Not because of... of because they just dominated with scheme and personnel. I mean, honestly, they all look shell shocked. Like we we've got nothing. We have no answer no, to this. They none. know all of our plays. None. That basically looked like what happened. It's because they've got our game plan, coach. What do you want us you to know, do? You you would wonder. One would wonder if the quarterbacks coach of that Rams team might have had some answers. I'm just I'm just wondering that. I, I I'm, you know, where's he headed? I don't know. I'm trying. I, did you I'll get, figure, did you get go, his name? I have to go look up Google his name. Google that after yeah, we're done. I look up his name. Mine. But the game overall. You saw Trey Wingo's rant, I'm sure, about he doesn't, you know, he's tired of all these people complaining about watching the game and it being boring. He said, turn the, turn the thing off if you don't want to watch it and shut up. Um, first of all, I think people did turn it off because it was the lowest rated Super yeah, Bowl I, in a I, long time. I, I enjoyed it because of the drama. Because up until it became a, a two-score game, I mean, anything was going to happen. Anything was possible in that game. Did is that but like is that actually where you were like excited watching it? Yeah, I don't see. I'm one. I don't mind good defense. I don't. Uh, see, I, I, I don't I mind good defense. Dreadful. I like it when I look and go, man, they are just. I I mind it when a guy's throwing bad balls that are getting picked or dudes are dropping it on the turf and it's a poorly played game. I think it was poorly played. I thought it was actually well played. It was just well played by the defenses. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, that just makes for not very good football, in my mm. opinion. Like, I don't. I did like. I, I, I'm not a big late late show guy. I'm not a big James Corden guy. The driving around in cars with stars thing of a jigger is yeah. corny and cheesy to me. But he did have a pretty funny line. He's English, obviously, and he's, he's British, rather. And he said, "Hey, the next time you guys c- c- complain about low soccer scores, all I can tell you is what would, what do we just have in the Super Bowl?" And he's right. I mean, in theory, not a lot of points. It's fair, I, and and that's the thing. Like football, not a lot of it plays. was one of the most exciting years ever in the NFL, and that was because of the quarterback performances, the record-setting offense, in my opinion. Then you get to the end of the year and it just felt like so anticlimactic and so one because it was the Patriots winning again yes so that made it anticlimactic but also because it's like this just didn't feel like the season we just watched yes it felt not, like anything right. but the season we right. just watched I just watched 1976 is yeah, what I, just, I watched the, I watched the Steelers steal curtain dominate another Super Bowl 13 to 6 but back to Wingo's whole point on that one we we watch sports because you know the ending still could be great. Like the ending yes. can a lot of times save a bad game. No doubt. So that's why I'm watching the whole thing, right. and because I'm going to come, in, I'm going to come and do stuff like this and talk about it. So I need well, to see what's going because on. Because you probably had some it. squares, and you were hoping that they landed on your squares, right? There's that. Too. I had that too. But I, I like I don't think it's out outside the realm to say, hey, that game sucked. 
Like, I think no, that's I, a reasonable thing to do. I have no problem with people yeah, saying, I, just, I, I didn't enjoy that game. I mean, I, I get that part. The enjoy it, I get. Yeah. I didn't think the game sucked. I really thought it was just well played saying, by two defenses. I get what you're saying. It was a clean football game. Yeah. But... Not a lot of penalties. It was really boring. Well, it was quicker. It was, the yeah. lack of penalties did make it go along a little bit quicker, I thought. It wasn't terrible. What was your favorite commercial? Was it the T-Mobile commercials? I liked the T-Mobiles. I thought the, I thought the avocado one were, with, the, with, the, with the cone of shame was pretty good, too. But the NFL 100 won it, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that, 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 that's a transcendent... I, I, I consider that more of a PSA. I do, too. A, but, I do. but you're it's right. Oh, it was, but that's a, that that's was a timeless so commercial. Well I mean, a oh. classic. We'll look back Think about years. all the dudes they that's got what I'm to saying. do that. You've got Hall of Famers dating back for decades in that commercial, and then you have a couple who won't be getting in the Hall of Fame for a couple right. decades. But the, the way they played out, I mean, Joe Montana looking at Michael Irvin and turning and saying, sorry, Cowboy, because he's throwing to Jerry Rice. Yeah. And Dion picking it off, and then Dion doing his little Dion interception touchdown well, dance as he moves up the sideline. And then when the ball got tipped, I even said it out loud. The ball was hanging in the air. You didn't see it was. I said, oh, no, they got Franco Harris. Yep. And there was Franco, Franco scooping it up. It was it was well, awesome. Two, two things I love. Singletary. You could just see, rip those glasses off. Because initially, I'm like, what is this going to be about? Because it was Marshawn Lynch. I'm like, yeah. what is Marshawn Lynch you doing? You thought it was like a, a Skittles commercial yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. Goofy, yeah. Exactly. And all of a sudden, when the ball was on the ground, I'm like, oh, gosh, this is some NFL commercial. And he's about to yell, which he did. And then it, it, it was it was really, really good. Just really well done. I loved the part where Tom Brady took off his rings and handed them to Baker Mayfield. Yes, yes. I thought that was a great moment. Also, well like, done. kind of... Funny and interesting to see what happens with Baker Mayfield going forward and, and Tom over the next several years. And like, they brought the they brought the young girl in who I think is a football player a in football Colorado, Colorado. Maybe I yeah. think so. She's like yeah. fourteen year old. Yeah, I didn't know yep. who she was. I had to look. Her I had to look up. up but that too. was cool. I yep. think that's why they did it. Everyone had to go look her up now. And I thought that was a very cool thing by the NFL. I did too. Well done. My favorite commercial though that wasn't just like you said, like a PR thing, was the Expensify commercial with two chains. That was good. I thought that was hilarious that was good because I also thought that's one of the few again where. I knew exactly whose commercial it was, and I remembered it after the Super Bowl was over. I knew it was Expensify. I knew it was about expensing. I, it's funny you say that because I, video. I hate doing expense reports. Now I have to do it through a system here at, 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 exactly. at, at, our, at our business, and I don't travel a ton, just usually Bengals season, but I hate them with a passion. And I actually looked it up to think, man, I wish we could have something like that. It looks pretty simple to me. I like simple. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I've, I've actually have to do all my expenses. I actually switched right. over That's to right. Expensify and checked it out because I've already been using an app. I, I looked over at it. I was like, oh, I might, might give this there a try. Go. I might move over to it. So it worked. They, but they also did a bunch of stuff online where they did like a full music video where you oh, could okay. take a picture of the receipts and they put you up for potentially they're going to expense those receipts for you. Basically, you win money from them. Nice. So I thought they they really won, I thought, on the ad side okay. of things. That was I'm, pretty I'm good. Um, yeah, the game. What do you think of the halftime performance? I, thought, I honestly... I, I'm not a huge Maroon 5 guy as it is, um, yeah. so I I literally I use that time to take out the garbage, um, go downstairs and restock the beer fridge, and by the time I came back upstairs and did all that, and um, I actually checked out my email, I believe, I believe the second half was about to kick off, so I, I saw, <laughs> so none, of, I saw none of it. I, I think... It's getting. It got crushed. Obviously, people absolutely hated it. It got made fun of to no end, and rightfully so in a lot of ways. Because Adam Levine is a little bit of a goofball, and him taking off his shirt was just kind of silly. Um, also, his tat of California across his stomach in whatever font that is is just yeah. hysterical. Relax, Tupac. Uh, <laughs> Tupac took a bullet for you. I think the reason it got criticized so much is because it was in Atlanta, where you have. The richest history of well, music, that, maybe. That, that's just it. I can't remember who made it up the point, but but, but between R and B acts, soul acts, hip hop acts, gospel acts, you could have done a killer halftime show with just those people from Atlanta that fill those genres. Yeah, and and that's I think that's why people were really bothered. Is Maroon Five is just so 
milk toast and right. so bland Poppy. and mild. And it's like, I don't really have a huge problem with Maroon 5 personally. And they do have a ton of hits that are going to appeal to a, 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 a huge audience. segment that is watching the Super Bowl. I, I get it. You, you're trying to do something for everybody. But man, you give Big Boy like not even a full song, and Travis and he falls off the stage. Is he the one that who fell off the stage? Is that uh, him? Travis Scott, who, who came That's in what, okay. and was just absolutely his entrance was amazing with the pyrotechnics and the fireball that crashed into the stage. And then where'd he go? But we all just wanted that stage to blow up at that point because his rapping was absolutely horrendous. All right, here's the OG in me, brother. The OG in me says this: the only halftime show I literally sat fully through over the years that they've been doing formal halftime shows like this was the Rolling Stones. Oh, not not Prince. Uh, Prince, I did too. You're right. Yeah, I did Prince too. Prince You're was right. amazing. Yeah. Prince, I did too. Rolling Stones was good. Um, you know, one throwback that at the time I don't think people liked a lot, but I think is iconic looking back is the Britney Spears Aerosmith Nelly. Uh, yeah, because I like Nelly actually. I do too. I think that ended up being an iconic performance yeah. when you go back and look back at that one. Trying to think, there's another I good one the, or two. Oh, Justin Timberlake last year I thought was very I'm good. A, I, like, I, I like, thought he was like very JT. good last year. I like JT. He's all right. I, I I will say when the Stones came on, I still remember my youngest daughter was much younger then, and all she said when they came on, "Who are these old dudes?" <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> totally the greatest rock and roll band ever, man. Who are these old dudes? Who are these old? Dudes? Everyone gets old. That's I right. Mean, that's the problem. That's exactly right, buddy. Skinny Marvin Lewis has found a new gig. He will reportedly serve as a game analyst for games played this coming season. The Alliance of American Football games are being broadcast on CBS, NFL Network, CBS Sports Network, and TNT. Do you question this decision by the Alliance of American Football to hire Marvin Lewis to do games on television? Did you watch his press conferences, people who did the hiring, and so forth? I mean, we we have jumped the shark you, on hiring former coaches and players. If this is who you're looking to, wow, you're not making good decisions at this. Jones point. is a good deliverer of the football and so forth. It is what it is. I mean, I tweeted about this. I don't know if you saw it, but he did a panel thing with CBS Sports Network guys. I did not see that. I guess it was because they were working out this deal yeah, with him. Because right. I was wondering why right. the hell would they have him do How this? How was it? And it was right after a Xavier game. And so they asked him, you know, they had the panel on, so it's on my TV. And also I go, wait, Marvin Lewis? Oh, my God. First of all, he agreed to this, which shocked the hell out of me because he hates doing any media obligations. So this is stunning to me that he even wanted this job. They have to be paying him a pretty good chunk of change, I would assume. Uh, don't forget, he's still got a year on that Bengals contract that's paying him about six mil to do nothing. Then why does he want to do this? I Just stay around? I guess just stay around, yeah. That is so bizarre to me. But then I hear him, they ask him, how would you go about stopping Todd Gurley? And he said something to the effect of, gap sound. well, you know, you got to get your players in the position to be able to tackle and bring down a big, strong running back like that, <laughs> and so forth. And so forth. It's good to deliver the football, and so forth. I mean, if this is what he was telling the Bengals the last 16 years, it all makes sense. It does make sense. It all makes sense. He sounds... I, I, I am I am going to fight, because is he doing it for TNT, or is he doing it for just any of those brands? I thought I saw maybe he was... Network specific. I saw that the games are being broadcast on CBS, NFL Network, CBS, CBS Sports, Sports Network, Network, and TNT. I, I assume he's doing any across any of those. Yeah, I thought I saw only TNT. I could be wrong. You might be right. Well, on I mean, that. I'm sure the AAF is going to put their big games on CBS. They so are. That probably won't be Marv. I would doing think the probably, big games. I would think probably not. Yeah. Which so I don't forth. know how they're figuring out what a big game is in the AAF. Which, speaking of which, if you're wondering what the That's hell right, the like, Alliance what, of American what, Football what, what is. What is Marvin Lewis doing for it, what league? It's a new pro league that kicks off Saturday night at 8 p.m. on CBS. It's chock full of WKRC NFL. WKRC Local 12 on your dial. Better believe it. 
It's chock full of NFL flameouts and some weird rules. There are no TV timeouts. Teams must attempt two-point conversions after every touchdown. There are no kickoffs. Instead of an onside kick, teams get the ball on their own 35, facing a fourth and 10. That's There's, an interesting one to I me. like that. I mean, it's how because you, you need something yep. if you're going to do away with kickoffs. You need something for an onside kick. And there's also no halftime, so it's going to be quick. They're going to try to keep this thing I rolling. think that's a bad idea, to be honest with you, the no halftime. I think guys need a little bit of a breather. Uh, you might be right. You might be right. I'd... I twelve minute half times in the NFL don't feel long. No, time. I they think really it's perfect. I think like it's a beer nice, yeah, and maybe a sandwich if you're lucky. Yeah. Time. Yeah, and I, and I think you need to be able to reset as a coaching staff and in any sport. Just hey, well, I, I need to get to halftime. I need to get uh, okay. okay. Are you in or out on the AAF? You can include I, that in your answer. I've always been a weird football league watcher, going back really? to the USFL days and going back to even before that the World Football League because I always like to see some of those guys. Who are like. Yeah, he was really not good in the big league, but let me see what he can do. Because there's usually a guy or two, and then there's always a handful of players that, let's face it, the USFL had some dudes, man. They had some dudes that were coming down from the NFL, but they also had some dudes that were coming out of college that then, after the USFL folded, went right in the NFL and did did pretty doggone well. See Reggie White at all. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. The XFL was hard for me because it was too schlocky. Don't make it too Make it football still. Make it real football. Make it X and O football for me. Um, I, I don't mind weird rules. I don't mind the two-point conversion stuff, although I still think I like the fact the extra point in the, in the NFL became harder as a 33-yard kick, and now you do have to kind of make up your mind, and I like the fact that there's a choice there. I do like the onside kick rule, or the, or the non-onside kick rule. I think yeah. that one's pretty cool to me. Because yeah. the onside kick idea. anymore is so anti- cause the way it's structured in the NFL now, it's almost impossible to recover because of the way that you have to line guys up. Um, this one, at least, as the, oppo- as, as the team that scores late, you go, hey, at least we get a play here, man. Well, I mean, at least we get a play. If you've got Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady, I mean, obviously you don't in the AAFL, but if you've got the equivalent of that right. in your league, you, if you're that team, you got momentum coming out, you feel like you got a chance. It's not 4th and 15, not 4th and 20. They made a 4th and 10. That's we see them convert those all the yeah, time yeah, at yes. the end of game situations. So I think that's a very interesting. I one. knew this league was coming. I've known about this league. Steve Spurrier is a head coach in this league. Um, a lot of big names. Uh, Mike Martz is a head coach in this league. Um, there, there's a handful. I'm doing some of these off the top of my head, uh, but there are some. There are some. Uh, Mike Singletary is a head coach in this league. So there, there are some guys with some some experience. Um, the funny part was I did have to do. I did a note in a, in a small Bengals notebook earlier this week, in in which I put Marvin's new gig in there that he's going to go do this. And the one thing I did have to look up is, I wonder when that starts. I know it's in the spring. I didn't realize then that it's starting this Saturday. Saturday, And I'm thinking, boy, you guys need to have a little more brand recognition than that. If I had to go out of my way to look up when you start, I I was assuming March-ish for some reason. But then, obviously, they're not going to try to conflict with with March Madness because CBS has a a big chunk of that. So does TNT have a chunk of that, too. And I guess that's why they got the other networks to go along with it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a good idea. I think it's, it's, hopefully, I'd like to see it work. I'm I'm out. It won't work. Um, the, the, <laughs> You're probably right. None of these yeah, do, and none of them do. And, and it's for the simple fact of there's always the NFL, so it's never going to be the best league. That's the first problem it faces. It's never going to be. How about expanded gambling in this country, though, that keeps coming little by little by little by. I little. don't think it's enough. We've already got enough to gamble. I mean, there's an there's some degenerate. Are you coming Friday to my thing? The AAF fantasy draft. <laughs> I don't think I'll be able to make it. Really? Unfortunately. I thought, you, didn't you know my what? You didn't get my, my, my invite? I'll set mine to auto draft. Okay. I'll just let it randomize because I don't know a damn player in this other than Trent Richardson, anyways. There you go. Uh, but the other problem is people already have a bad a bad amateur thing to watch. It's called college. And they are they have a tie there because they went to school there yes. or it's in their state and they 
drink and gamble to that already. So that's the that's the problem with these semi pro leagues at any sport is there's already they're not going to well, be the that's best. The funny part. And we've already got that amateur crappy league that we like. We have an attachment to and we bet on. It feels like all these leagues always put a team in Birmingham and Memphis thinking it's going to work and it never does. Birmingham doesn't. Birmingham, you know what Birmingham cares about? Roll damn tide. Or a, little, or a little bit of War Eagle. A little bit which, of War Eagle. Which, by the way, so I've got an idea for a semi-pro league that I think will work. Would you like to hear that? I, I all You years. might want to invest in it. Um, okay, well, don't, don't take such a big step. So I, I think this is a good idea. I think you need, and I'm working on the name still, but a post-SEC league uh, where do in those cities do yes you just put them in you just literally make them like lsu pro essentially you can't name them that but like they're essentially just the pro lsu for team. those dudes that don't make the nfl yeah, it's like a the, hall of famer and all-star team for former sec players that aren't dudes. good enough like trent richardson is the one who gave me the idea because he's playing in this and i'm like you know what there's some idiot fans that would watch trent richardson play ain't wearing ain't wearing roll damn tide i know but if you put him in that city and you just say that's what he is like they'd love that, and if he was going back to play with like a team full of Bama guys, maybe you could hook him up with his old quarterback and stuff. I, I do they think, would I, love the that. one thing I do think they did do. I could be mistaken on this. I believe part of their draft, like their initial allocation of players, it's regional. I, yeah, as yeah, I said, I think it was, I think it was regional territory. It or is. So that, that that's that part smart. Yeah, it's still not going to work. I'm telling you. Do an SEC All-Star or Hall of Fame league where all you do is you just put a team in each of these cities. They can even play at the college's stadium if, the, if they're able to do that. And you just put all the former players there. SEC fans will watch. Hefty Lefty in Lexington, man. They'd love Oh, my it. God. <laughs> He'd kill it. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? <laughs> Him throwing bombs to Craig East? Bring 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 Danny Cannell off the stage, back to, back to quarterback down in Gainesville. It, dude, I'm telling you. For the Gainesville Gators. 42-year-old quarterbacks out there slinging around. I mean, you could get these guys that won, like, multiple championships but really had no chance in the NFL. Danny Werfel. Danny Werfel. Danny I Werfel. Mean, there's a lot of great players like that that I guarantee you those losers would watch. I like I like, I like your idea. I'm not ready to quite invest yet. All right. Well, I'll get some more investors on board, and then you'll be a little jealous. I, I have a four, out on the gravy train. I have a $4 Turfway Park voucher. I'll give you that. That might be enough. All right. Skinny, one of the NBA's brightest young stars was involved in one of the weirdest trades in the history of the league as the New York Knicks sent Kristaps Porzingis along with Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, and Trey Burke to the Dallas Mavericks for Dennis Smith Jr. and the expiring contracts of DeAndre Jordan and Wesley Matthews. The Knicks will also get two future first-round picks from the Mavericks. This trade was essentially a salary dump for the Knicks that included one of the most impressive young stars in the sport, which I don't know that I've ever seen. Agreed, but but is just gotten hurt. Is there a scenario in which this move works out for the Knicks. Yeah, you get Kevin Durant. I mean, that, that that's one of it. I mean, that's part of the reason for this. I mean, because you can get two max contract guys out of this, right? So Durant's one. Um, if the Anthony Davis trade doesn't go down, we're doing this, I believe, on trade deadline day. If I'm not, or Is today trade deadline day or tomorrow? NBA trade deadline. It's coming up. It's coming up very quickly. Um, you know, if, if Anthony Davis walks to free agency or somehow you can pick, pick those two contracts up, then, then yes. And or... If Porzingis, this injury this year becomes a guy that that because again that seven three body is not natural, right? It's just it's just freakish. It's it's just not. I, I hate to say he he always looked injury prone the way his body is, but he did skinny, look, yeah. awkward, yes. seven three in general and moving yes. the way he does. Um, so yeah, if that's the case where he goes on to a career of continuous injuries and you were able to salary dump him for two really high level guys and plus another high draft pick in, in this year's draft, probably I think you've you did the right move. I, I know people are are panning this move because of Porzingis and his rare abilities, but if you're doing that, I think it's a smart move. 
I think with Porzingis, the rebuild takes longer. Really? I do. They don't have any dudes, man. They don't. Kevin Knox is okay. Oh, I think Kevin Knox and, okay. and Mitchell Robinson are both He's pretty okay. darn nice pieces to have. He's I think right. Frank as five and like, as five and six. Oh no, I think they're right, four, I'll give you four the and five. I'll go four and five. I'll give you four and five. So right you get, right you, now, yes. but in two years, yeah. I mean, those those are developing young those would be, players. Those would be good, be good four and five if you have two major stars. You, you got to have two major stars. Yes, yes. you no, got to have two. No, I, I at agree. least if not I, three. I, I totally and hell, agree with four that. doesn't hurt. I totally agree with that. I think Kristaps can be a number two. Yeah, I just the injury thing would worry. If if I'm doing this with some of that injury part in mind, knowing that I'm going to get, and maybe they, I can't say they know, but they have to feel confident, right, that they're going to get. At least one, if not two. Well, I there's no way you could be a Knicks fan. I'm not going to say like the New York Knicks are so far gone that they can't sign free agents, but at the same time, what have they been able to do in free agency the Nothing. last several years? I mean, they have destroyed this brand and the no idea doubt. of being a player for the New York Knicks to the point that it's not near the draw that everyone used to think it was. No, it's not now, even close. For some reason, everyone seems to think Kevin Durant wants to end up there. And if that's the case, God bless them because that would be one hell of a bailout no to end question. up with Kevin Durant. No question. And if they know that and they're making room to do Durant and hopefully one more, good for them. That well, would be that's really why, impressive. That's why they are doing but it. But I'm going to tell you something. Can you do it? But let me tell you something. They're not getting Kevin Durant and. they're not. Get, well, they might be. But it's not Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, and it's not Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis. Those two aren't happening. They're not getting stars on that level, at least not two of them. Now, maybe they get Kevin Durant. I'm still skeptical about that. But I, to I me, agree. I understand There that. is no reason, as a New York Knicks fan, to be optimistic about the fact that they will get this right and be able to bring in free agents to replace Kristaps Porzingis. But I will say, I don't know that there was anything they could really do. And this is kind of the I don't know if it's a downside, but it's the evolution, the next step of players taking control back from GMs and owners. You saw LeBron do it. You started seeing these other stars, KD, do it. These guys where they just say, I want out. You're going to have to trade me. I'm going to basically what happens at that point is you tank your trade value to the point where the team just has to get rid of you. Right. Or they know they're getting nothing from you in free agency, which is what happened with Kristaps Porzingis. It seemed like it got sprung on him at the last minute. Now, Reports are coming on that actually this has been going on for a little while. He and his brother had been malcontents in no the question. locker room yes. and had said, we want out. They went into a meeting, gave them four teams they wanted to be traded to. The Mavericks were not one of them. However, they knew the Mavericks were already highly interested. And they finally, eventually, were able to get Dennis Smith was the best they could do out of yes. it and while dumping some salary. So that's what they went with. All right, now my question for you, because you, you love the NBA. Um, I'm indifferent towards it because I, I, I hate the way rosters are constructed because of this kind of stuff. It just bugs me where... Every year there's 20 teams that have no chance. Hell, 26 teams that have no chance really whatsoever, and that doesn't make it very compelling for, for me. Do you like the fact that players are starting to control this and it becomes three super teams here and one super team on the other side? I don't love the product that it creates for the NBA. I don't love that we're just having these super teams and so many so many teams feel irrelevant and like they're not trying because the thing to do is tank so, so you can many hopefully teams. build your super team. Right. Because the reality is n- not everyone can be the first draft pick. Right. And there's like all these teams in the middle that don't seem to care about bro, trying to get good. And it's like you got 41 home games. You're trying to trying to appease your fans. And, and someone you, could get injured. Yeah. Right. Like there's right. no saying yeah, that could be a torn ACL for one of those other teams to where if you're fourth or fifth, now you, you're right up there. Right. And I just that bothers me that so many 
teams aren't trying. But I do think ultimately this is the player's right. And this is good for the league because you know what's going to end up happening is enough players will screw this up playing GM. Kristaps Porzingis is not a top 10 player in the NBA in my opinion. No, He's not the type of guy that should be able to dictate this situation. The problem is they're all seeing these other players do it. And if they feel like they're that type of player, they're going to try to do the same thing. And I, I actually think the Knicks were kind of in a situation where they didn't have a choice because he had plummeted his trade value. They weren't going to get much for him after he said, I want out. And they know that he's a free agent coming up. So you've got one year, you got a qualifying offer this year. And then after that, he's a free agent. And again, the injury history, again, I should say history is not fair, but but this is a pretty massive injury. It's going to basically cost him the whole year. It's a huge injury. And I do agree with you that I think... It's not fair to call him injury prone yet, but I always was worried. About I was his too. Injuries. He just he just and didn't look. I mean, he looks a, awkward. A guy like that foot feet injury seems like it's gonna be a big problem. And this isn't a foot injury; it's an right. ACL. Right. But I'm still worried about the feet becoming a problem down the line. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for the Knicks, even despite the fact that I don't think I've ever seen a trade like it. I mean, giving away a guy like that for essentially a salary for nothing. Dump yes, seems a, terrible. It was a clear salary dump. But I do think Dennis Smith Jr. is a guy with some upside, and he's a guy that at least with a scenery change. So you put him with Knox, you put him with Mitchell Robinson, you get a you get a high draft pick, and I, I'll just go out on him. Let's just say it is Zion. Let's say that that's well, who you get, and you get two two major dudes in free agency. Well, not even Got two a nice major, club. Not even two major dudes. Let's just say they have KD. So let's say you go. Dennis Smith Jr. In a, in a new scenery where he's now being told you're the point guard again because he just got that ripped away from him in the Mavericks right. when Luka joined the team. So you got him at the point guard. You got Kevin Durant at the two. Now you can put Kevin Knox at the three, a developing Kevin Knox who has had a good year, and I think he's going to have really good. I just, I just love the fact that I just skimmed over you putting Kevin Durant at the two. It still makes me laugh. Seven foot two. It's just beautiful. Keep nice. going. Seven foot. Whatever. It's 11 at best, but he's it's, skilled. It's, I know. It's still awesome. You can play him anywhere you want. To I know. Perform, you know my point. That's just funny to hear, hear, hear that in that phraseology. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, and, and then you've got either, uh, I mean, DeAndre Jordan, supposedly they think he might help bring Kevin Durant to the Knicks because they've got a good relationship. So either either maybe... And he doesn't need the ball in his hands, so he becomes a guy who just goes all the junk stuff. Well, and he's also got an expiring contract. Right. So he could be a free agent yep. after this year. Most people thought he was just a dump, like a guy you're getting to get rid of or even trading or cutting right away. But if he gets reinvigorated, starts playing a little harder on defense again to the point that he's serviceable, hell, maybe you sign him again and you've got him at the five with Mitchell Robinson learning behind him or Enos Cantor and Mitchell Robinson behind him. I don't hate that lineup. Turkish, it's at least fun Turkish to watch. Hit squad gets Enos Kanter first. Well, you got to watch for that. There's that's one thing you got to watch for. Agents looking out from secret double agents looking out for him. So he's starting to get a little weird. Starting, starting to get a little weird. Starting, yes, yeah, starting. Ben, Ben, a little weird. Yeah. starting to get a lot weird. I, I, I've kind of felt for him along the way, but it's starting to get get a lot weird. So yeah, that dude's weird. But I mean, you put Zion in there at the four with those other dudes. If Zion ends up being a transcendent type player, and you've got Dennis Smith, Kevin Durant, Kevin Knox, and DeAndre or Mitchell or Cantor, whoever's at the five, I don't hate that team. And let's face it, Knicks fans deserve that, right? I mean, I'm not a Knicks guy, but, no, but I, I live in New York for a period of time. And New York basketball, when when, bas- when basketball in New York is good, it's it's just fun because the atmosphere yeah. in the garden is still one of the best. Except for these idiots are just so weird and racist and everything else. Like I, a couple years ago, during the Big East tournament, we go in to, to grab a beer during like noon, and you've got all these. Uh, what are union employees who just like take off for like an hour and a half, two hour lunch. And they're just doing like shots and, and bo- I, lo- I love it. Yeah. Boilermakers there at the bar during their lunch hour, going back to do construction or whatever. And you've got one of them just bitching nonstop about the fact that Ron Baker isn't playing more. Ron Baker should be starting at the two of all people. Hey, by the way, your guy, your guy, Larry Shamit got dealt. Yeah. How about that? Good old well, Larry. 
What? What? Yeah, that Larry. That's what Chad called yeah, him, Larry. Yeah, yeah. Your guy, Larry Shape. Your guy, Larry Shape. I can remember his real name. Yeah, your guy, Larry. Uh, speaking of Chad Brendel, he'll be with us on the basketball podcast. Make sure you uh, listen for that. We'll do when we skip Super Bowl Sunday. But we'll be back uh, this coming Sunday. It'll be up uh, the following Monday. Be sure to listen to that. Next week on the show, Paul Daner Jr. from the Enquirer will join us to talk some Bengals, some Zach Taylor. But most importantly, but most importantly, the epilogue to his to his great baby ghost story. Until then, I'm Richard Skinner for Rick Broering. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the Popery Edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.